Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 273 is with Annie Reese and Samantha McVeigh from the podcast Stuff Mom Never Told You. Good, how are you? Absolutely fantastic. First and foremost, let me start off with saying I love my mother dearly. I love my wife of 31 years dearly, but I have learned more through my daughter being a mother. And and that's why I love this podcast, Stuff Mom Never Told You. Oh, thank you. Um, that, that's, that's I love to hear that because it is really important to us that uh, we, through this podcast and now through this book, are able to connect with people of all generations and all ages um, and all types. So that's, I appreciate that very much. You know what's fascinating about you guys being the authors of the book and then the podcast is this is how it all began back in the 1980s. The authors wanted to be heard. And so for you to have a book that's connected to this is exactly going back to the roots of what podcasting is. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the tired sigh of someone who's been doing this for over a decade. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, we, so the podcast started as a way to have these conversations people weren't having. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when podcasting was relatively new ish, uh, in terms of popularity at least. Um, and it just became such a, poignant and powerful experience to hear from listeners about it meant so much to me that you talked about this and here's my uh, story here's my experience and through that it became well this is a powerful thing we're doing how can we reach more people and eventually a book came out of that because not everyone listens to podcasts and we wanted to reach a wider audience, but at the same time, you know, appreciating our audience and everything they've done. I, so many things that people have written in have changed how I think. Uh, and that is the importance of that. I can't stress enough. And so this book is both a love letter to the audience that made it possible, but also a kind of an extending of the hand to other people who haven't heard of it. Like come and come here with us and let us <laughs> join our, join our community. Uh, we would love to have you. I call that a dear future reader moment because you, you, you're feeling what the subject should be and then you're sharing the subject, but it's not going to be necessarily for the person of right now, because I always think of the person that's five or 10 years from now going, Oh my God, dear future reader. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I feel that a lot because so many things have changed based on when we started and where we are now. And we th- we thought about that with the book, which feels more permanent, even though that's not necessarily the case. But because we had to like write it down and we can't, you know, have a correction episode perhaps of something. Right. Um, and so I do think about that a lot. I think about the person five, ten years from now who finds this and I'm still like so happy and and want you to come in, but it's also kind of that responsibility of understanding, well, things might've changed since we wrote this. So it's the hopes that it has changed. Please, please, please. We hope it's gotten better and that people are learning from us today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. How did you make it through the transition? Because you, you had the podcast and then you went to the book. On a podcast, like you said, you, you can be open with all the conversation. But, but man, when you've got editors involved now, it's like, oh, man, I got I to gotta keep remind, reminding myself that we're in a Twitter generation. <laughs> yes, yes. 
it was a difficult, I hesitate to say difficult. I think Samantha and I just were anxious because we really wanted to produce something good. Um, and we knew that it is a different medium than podcasting. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when people listen to podcasts, uh, and I do this too, you're doing something else at the same time. Um, and, and yeah, we have six episodes a week, so we have a lot of time to update our uh, conversation and to edit and to correct uh, as the conversation changes in real time. And there is an audiobook, I just want to say, uh, but uh, <laughs> but it felt it just felt much more permanent and it did it did become very we were sort of out of our depth. We hadn't written a book. We didn't know publishing. And we were lucky that we had a really good team, but it was, we had to adjust to a new dynamic. We had to adjust to a lot of deadlines um, <laughs> and trying to, you know, find a work balance of Samantha and I writing a book together and trying to remain friends, which we did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, dealing with, you know, editors and talking about the book and talk, talking about the cover, excuse me, and the art and just trying to decide when is the time where you just put your foot down and you're like, no, we're not changing this. And when is yep. it that maybe I do, maybe I should think about this. Maybe this is actually a, a something I need to do some inner work on. <laughs> have, have you had that conversation with anybody that, that usually said, I mean, because you know, when we put out a podcast or we put out anything in writing, we, you know, the, the judger inside of us comes out and starts judging everything we're doing. And, and there mm. you, you've got close friends to you and, and maybe even between the two of you, Annie and Samantha, that you go, look, put away the judger, but it's not for us to judge. Just put the artwork out there and let them have it. You know, I think one of the best things about working on this podcast with Annie is that we are really good friends um, and we actually do connect. We are opposites in so many ways, <laughs> but it brings us to a balance. And so when, when one of us is falling short or we, we feel like we're falling short, the other will pick, a, pick the other up. Um, and then our team was amazing in doing the same thing. Anytime we've had the doubts, we had a strong conversation mm -hmm. and, and we had to learn to accept uh, the fact that it might not be perfect. That was a really hard one. Yep, That's a yep. really hard one because uh, for us specifically, the fear of failure is huge. Um, and, and knowing that there are those who want us to fail because books like this can be really controversial. But because we had such an amazing support system, you know, I think the older we get, the better we have a sense of ourselves. And so coming into a point and being able to be confident with each other, because I am absolutely confident in Annie um, as my co-host, as my co-author, and being able to tell me honestly <laughs> when I'm doing something wrong or something really off at the same time, uh, pulling me up when I'm feeling really, really down on myself. So like part of that is having that type of partnership. I could go on about how much I adore and love her. Um, oh. <laughs> I think it, it speaks through the book as well as our podcast because it is a balance of our personalities and we do a really good job in balancing each other. And then again, like I said, the team that we had, uh, our illustrator, she is flipping amazing mm -hmm. and is some of those most beautiful work she really brought to life the things that were in our head and as a non-artist that's a that's a miracle yeah. <laughs> to me i'm like how do you do this so having people like helen being a part of this adventure with us was another added bonus and it just felt better and better as we started seeing it unfold 
and then being able to advocate for ourselves when we did feel like, no, this is absolutely our hard lines, uh, which wasn't a lot, but we had the few and we were really proud to be able to put those there to advocate and make our books better. You were talking about doing six episodes a week. Uh, you're speaking my street. This, this is what I do for my life. I, that's all I do. I live and breathe inside the studio. How do you face that wall of burnout? Because you know you've got an episode due. We're waiting for that episode. You've got to make sure that you put it up there or we're going to go someplace else. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I see you. I see you. Um, it's difficult. And we've talked about this because, as Samantha said, we do balance each other out really well. And I think we have topics and um, areas that both of us are really passionate about that are pretty different. Um, I think one of the biggest issues is it's some weeks it's just not there. I, I feel right. you must right. know what I'm talking yeah. about. Like yeah. some weeks the idea, even if you have an idea sheet, a hundred bullet points long, none of them are doing it for you. <laughs> um, and you just don't like summoning the energy for it but you you have that deadline you have it hanging over you and so i would love to hear samantha's answer to this but my i just don't my thing is i i just do it i just have to do it <laughs> right because the I deadline is there it. yeah i can tell you make it is, is real it's very very real you know though our listeners our audience our family as we like to call them are really good motivators they give us some amazing ideas nice. they write in they, they let us know what's going on we have a fan base that has been cultivated over decades through different hosts and those have been so loyal and so kind and so giving and so welcoming i'm one of the newer hosts i didn't come in until 2019 and the level of welcoming and love that i received from our listeners and our base really makes a difference yeah. and being able to be like like, hey, we're starting to be really honest here and we're running out of ideas. It's been over a decade of so many things. And sometimes these topics get really hard or really, really uh, uh, taxing. And they come in and they swoop in and be like, hey, can you how about this subject? Or, you know, uh, we get listeners from New uh, Australia saying, can you do this? Or we get listeners from England saying, can you do this? And we get to do see different perspectives. So I think part of that is really what drives and continues this type of show and our show specifically, as well as why we wanted to do this book. They really do inspire us. Well, Not to be cheesy. The <laughs> podcast we're talking about is Stuff Mom Never Told You. I, I got to be honest with you. I lived the Billie Jean King tennis match. That was my little world. I mean, we read about it in the Weekly Reader for months and months and months. I wanted Billie Jean King to win. And, and, and people were going, you're a guy. You're a guy. Come on, pick a side. <laughs> and, I, I, and to this day, I respect all women in any sport because of that match. Ooh, I, I want to know more about these readers. Um <laughs> yeah, you know, the that's fascinating. I didn't, I hadn't read about that sort of pick a side. That makes total sense because it was called the Battle of the Sexes. Yes, but he he was just not good. Like he wasn't a good player and he wasn't a good guy. So to me, I would just be like, well, he sucks. <laughs> but I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it did boil down to that. And I. For a lot of people at least and that's one of the things when i because we split these chapters up uh when i was researching that chapter i just he leaned into it so hard yes, he, he made did. such a spectacle about it and i was imagining what it would have been like 
And I think this pressure is totally unfair, but I was imagining what it must have been like to be a young girl watching this match, Billie Jean King, and what if she loses? Like, what if, what if then everything he's saying is people think it's true and how demoralizing that would have been? But that's such an unfair pressure. Also, to reiterate, he lost. He lost badly. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, on top of that, though, there were so many people, whether she lost or not, who saw that and knew it was wrong and were inspired by it. Like, no, I I know I can compete. I know I can play. Like, you don't even have to compete. Like, just if you like something like tennis, you shouldn't feel like, well, I don't belong there because I'm a woman. Um, so it, it was... I loved reading about how many people she inspired. Right. How many people watched that match. And I mean, people now still talk about how much of an impact it had on them and how they raised their children. Um, And so that's the power of those things. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, Bobby Riggs, you could dismiss it as just all spectacle, but it, it was a huge event and that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it was that that impact of it and the inspiration of it and why it still matters today well see that's the reason why the song philadelphia freedom from elton john is so close to my heart because that was the closest i was ever going to get to billy jean king i knew that song was about her and it, and, and that was my way of always having her somewhere in my life I love that. I love that. I want to turn this interview around on you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the thing is she she had this impact and she had she did inspire so many people of all ages. Um, right. And she kept fighting. Like she's still in the game. Like she's still in one way or another. She's still there and she's still fighting for these issues that matter to her. And that's, that is both very empowering and inspiring to see, but also kind of upsetting because it's yeah. like the battle of the sexes was in the seventies and she's still talking about some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I love people when I bring that up, um, people almost always mention that Elton John song or just like some memory yes. they had watching it, yeah. like some memory they had watching it. And, and you know, there was a huge increase in women playing tennis after that match including the Williams sisters yes Um, yes yes and I won't say it was you know only that but that was a part of like they both said you know we watched that match and we were like well let's get into it (laughs) right and I just also love that she's still advocating for sports today like she still is behind Serena Williams I saw her recently quote about supporting her and all the things that she'd done because again sports today is still very sexist and we see Serena Williams being racked over the coals even though she's one of the best at all of all time and she's still getting that and Billie Jean King still here being like no she's amazing what are you talking about she is a representation of why this is an amazing sport for women but women should be in sports in general one of the things that that I was shocked by when first of all I love the openness that we're all speaking these days when it when it when it comes to community but I I was with a soon-to-be mother the other day and I asked her I said are are you having a boy or a girl and she says I'm having a minority baby and I said I don't understand she says it's a girl and I went oh my god and (laughs) does that shock you to hear her say something like that she's not wrong (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that I have never heard that so yes yeah um and that's again like 
so many of the things we talked about in the book still are, even though they might have happened in the 70s or even earlier than that, um, are still these massive parts of conversations yes. and, and things that people are thinking about uh, when when they're having children. Um, so I'm on one hand, I'm shocked. And the other hand, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like, the, yes, it makes sense. And we know that when it comes to uh, opportunities and, and conversation of what's going to happen when we talk about things like Me Too, when we think of talk about things like uh, reproductive, reproductive rights, we are cyclical and coming yeah. back to trying to talk about why these are rights for everyone and that it's important and autonomy is important. And so having a young, uh, having a baby girl does look into like, oh God, what kind of hardships will she have in the future? Mm. The podcast we're talking about is Stuff Mom Never Told You. Now, the conversation I wish I would have had with my mother was the way that Rush Limbaugh would call them feminazis. That used to just grind <laughs> in my soul because I just mm-hmm. felt like, and, and he knew it. He knew what he was doing to the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> I think when you don't have much of a defense, all you can do is start name calling. Yeah. So, you know, this is that whole like second grader mentality. And so, and that's that one thing that, they're good at and I say they is like the Limbaugh love crowd um, that they use these turn of phrases in order to start like an immediate reaction and that immediate reaction means that they won because they 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 did do this and they have turned the phrase and now it's like oh see who the demons are it's the feminists (laughs) and it was a organized when you look at the history of how feminism got demonized the word um, and just like not the correct definition at all. Right. Um, yeah. It was an organized thing, um, especially around any time when women were in some way getting more freedom, like entering the workforce. Um, it You can see spikes in that kind of language. And, you know, it's interesting that, yes, like the limbals of the world are still leaning on that. And it gets internalized. Like I talk about that in the book where I was afraid to say I was a feminist because then they'd think I didn't shave my legs. Heaven forbid. <laughs> um, which, by the way, that is not the thing I should have been thinking about. But it was like that's how powerful that message is. And honestly, every time we do something like this, we have to say, you know we're going to be talking about feminism, right? We don't get yelled at by somebody. Right. So it's gotten better, but it is still polarizing. And a, a lot of that was just marketing. It was just, honestly, I'm sorry to say it, but very effective uh, marketing. <laughs> wow. The book, the podcast, and there's got to be so much more. Where can listeners go to find out more about you and to support everything that you are sharing with the world? Uh, they can find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we're also on social media. We're not super active on it, but we are there. Um, <laughs> and we do have a book that you can get uh, now. Uh, you have an audiobook and a book that you can get at stuffyoushouldreadbooks.com. Well, I'm glad that you're sharing your vocals because so often, and I talk about this a lot on, on iHeartRadio, and that is is that you can put words in a book, but I don't hear your inflection, your pitch, your volume, your tone. Mm. And that's why they need that podcast so they can truly hear your your emotions. That's a great point. And we did, honestly, the audiobook was a whole experience. Nice. I definitely <laughs> got emotional. Um, but the, yeah, and, and also just we try our best that we don't always succeed, but we want to be as accessible as possible. And we know not everybody reads books for one reason or the other. 
but they might prefer to listen to it. Uh, so it's really cool too. It has like acting in it, like narration. That's not us, so don't worry. But um. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's cool that we can provide that for people because oh. we want to. Please come back to the show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank oh, you thank so you much so for much. having us. Absolutely. Will you both be brilliant today? Okay. Yes, you too. 